Welcome to the People Teaching People podcast. My name is Tiana Fesh. I'm a mom of three, an educator, a course development consultant, and a lifelong learner. Teaching and learning can take place anytime, anywhere, and in a multitude of ways. The range of knowledge and skills to teach and to learn about are truly limitless. But at the heart of all teaching and learning experiences are the people. The People Teaching People podcast is the place to talk about the who, what, when, where, why, and how of teaching and learning in a world where there is always more to discover. Education plays an important and integral role in all facets of our lives. How we work, do business, live, play, explore, and build relationships. Let's talk teaching and learning together. Welcome to the People Teaching People podcast. Joining me on the podcast is Jill Drader. Jill has been a mentor for me since we connected way back in 2014 when we were working on building a curriculum together. Jill has an incredibly kind and generous heart and is someone who has inspired me to follow my heart and those nudges. Jill Drader is hard to describe. She's a natural connector, teacher, visionary, and intuitive. She's launching her new venture, Owl Seek, where she will continue her executive coaching and leadership practice and relaunch her retreat series in the spring of 2023. Her non-for-profit, Struggle Is Your Success, was partnered with Trellis this year, the largest NFP in Calgary, which supports youth initiatives. Jill's past education is varied. A degree in international development and African studies, where she studied in Ghana through the University of Calgary, a journeyman status in tile setting, and a degree in counseling, where she does more spiritual care and spiritual direction. Jill's past awards include being named Honorable Albertan by the Alberta Legislature, Distinguished Alumni by the University of Calgary, and Top 40 Under 40 by Avenue Magazine. Jill always operates from a heart of service, caring deeply about those who struggle and suffer with mental health or addictions, and gives her time to various Calgary agencies helping people. Thanks so much for joining me here today, Jill. Yeah, I'm so excited. So where I want to start is I would love to learn more about you and your story, even though I know bits and pieces of it because you and I have worked together and our kids have gone to preschool together and we've had coffee together, but I always find every time I connect with you, I learn a little bit more about your incredible story. So I'm going to start with a big question, which is what led you to where you are and what you're doing today? So the easy answer is I would go to my faith and I would say, spirit led, this is all just part of the journey. It's theologically very complicated. And I think it's all about these assignments. And that goes to the Course in Miracles language. So I would say it's one of those things we totally don't know that we're going to have this journey. And I've had to reflect back and be like, why was this so hard? And then come to the other side of what am I going to do with this? And what is this going to turn into that will keep me in a place of joy and happiness and fulfillment and be able to challenge myself at the same time because I'm constantly in need of a challenge and change. And in that was just 
accepting that I'm a person that will be in the world in consulting. I will be project-based. I will require a lot of different variety with who I connect with and what I do. And that's how I've been able to build the businesses coming and myself also build myself back up, which was to just have that strength at the core and then take things and turn them into something else. You've done so many different things, <laughs> even just over the time that I've known you. So I think that's such a, a beautiful and interesting perspective because it's just life can take us in so many directions and we can try to head one way and something pulls us in another. And yeah, it's always such an adventure. Yeah, I now embrace that, but I would say there was a good 20 years. <laughs> I didn't so much and I would fight it and didn't know how to dive deeper into it. So yeah, it's an adventure. Yes, I hear you on that. Sometimes it just, it can feel so uncomfortable to not know exactly what's going to mm -hmm. come up next and how things are going to work out for sure. Now you're launching a new venture called Owl Seek. So Yes. What is OwlSeek, first of all? OwlSeek is going to be an executive leadership and retreat platform where I am going to bring together what I've discovered in the past five years working with people is that we need to bring connection back. We need to bring a sense of spirituality into business, whatever that is. And we need to talk about that more, that we're not going to be able to move forward doing things the same way we were before the COVID break. And what does that look like? So what does that look like for individuals and teams? Do you want to pivot and change? In the tech sector, finding a lot of communication challenges between teams and developers. And now that we're back together, how to make sure it's a safe work environment for everybody and everybody's heard and understood as they need to be. So that's what we're exploring with that. I want to go back to corporate retreat and recovery retreats starting in 2023 and explore a little bit more of the Rocky Mountains, Mexico, and we're thinking even Costa Rica. So that sounds incredible to have retreats in all those different places. That sounds fantastic. Now, I also wanted to ask you too, like I know so much of the work that you do in the coaching and retreats involve an element of teaching and learning. And in having worked with you, I learned so much from that experience. So how might teaching and learning play a role in some of this work that you'll be doing? I feel that I am called to be a teacher. And diving into that was diving into the work of Parker J. Palmer, where he challenges us to look at our vocation, where we're told that's our calling versus what do you really want to do? And he kind of got his PhD tenureship at a university and that was his gold star where he wanted to be and he got there and he didn't feel anything. And so he wrote this, Let Your Life Speak. And that really changed my direction because then I embraced it and I thought, okay, consulting is teaching. Okay, facilitating post-secondary is teaching. Okay, when I'm going through lessons with my sons, that's teaching. When I am having a prejudice thrown back in my face or I'm in observation of the world right now and there's things I don't know what to say and I don't know what to think, I'm listening because I'm being taught. And I really embrace that like infinity symbol of that I need to get to the vulnerability place of a student at the same time as being in teaching. So 
in that, I weave that into what I do in working with people. And I weave that into what I want to attract environmentally and culturally for the teams we're building and what I would like to create as a bigger movement forward. Well, and I love the way that you describe that because I, I really think the best teachers are the ones that, who are always learning. I think those two things go mm-hmm. really go hand in hand. And the teachers that come across as or think that they know everything and there isn't more to learn or they know more than everybody else, those were never my favorite. <laughs> no, I did a theology degree because I wanted to challenge some of my own prejudices and when I got to the end of the four years I remember thinking to myself like I don't know I don't know like how do I tie all this together I don't know what's the answer of what all this was I don't know like I just that has to be my answer moving forward because I can't stand in any of this and it's not a rejection of it it's just that going deeper into that meant there is no right answer and this is a big mystery and what is this all about? I'm not sure. I don't know. And that allows me to be a much kinder, more compassionate human out in the world. That allows me to listen more carefully because I don't need to know what to say next. And it's a challenge because I was raised in an environment that was different than that, just with the education system and work environments. And it was good to know and be able to tell that there's this new balance in the world, I think. I'm observing that. Well, and there's, I think, a vulnerability that, that comes with being able or just saying, I don't know. And I know in working with my student teachers, I always told them it's far better to just say you don't know when you don't know than yeah. to pretend yeah. that you do know when you don't. No, please yeah. do this. Please do this. Because <laughs> <laughs> unwinding takes so much more work. Yes, it does. And then I think... I think kids or just people in general pick up on that. Like you're not being authentic. You're not being real. And then there's sort of, you lack that trust in that teacher learner relationship. So. Well, these are words that we know, but like our mom's generation don't know those words as being real and authentic teacher. Like this is entering into our culture now. So I think that's really exciting too. It is. It is. So I'm so happy to hear that. You say you don't know. (laughs) Now, you've also, along with having this new venture that you're launching, you've also founded a non-for-profit called Struggle Is Your Success. So what does Struggle Is Your Success mean to you? And how does your organization help youth to unearth their potential? I read that on on the website and just thought that was beautiful. So yeah, I'm one of the co-founders and I have two partners in this where the organization is at right now. This was the idea and vision of Musab and he goes by Moose for 10, 12 years. And he wanted to reflect on his own journey of being Sudanese Egyptian, immigrating to Canada. And what is that culture dynamic that he learned around masculinity, around culture, around education. and Is it a cycle he wanted to repeat with some of the things that came up or was it something he wanted to change? And change meant teaching and inspiring other people like him who had the same questions and curiosities around. So the unearth your potential is like finding the diamond in the boulder, finding the shining light within. So what happened was I got asked to consult on a project 
And I got this email from this guy named Abdul. And he said, I asked another friend, Peter Bokoff, about consulting on this. And he said, Joel is your person. So I went and met them and they wanted to make this for uh, men like them, maybe transitioning, had an Islamic faith. And this was the struggle. And I thought, why am I here then? And I can relate to so much of this. And so we started having more conversations of like, well, this is my story too, here. And I was a youth at risk too, in that those years and those years after 18, which the government still identifies as youth, there was hard times and challenges. There was mental health challenges. There was addiction challenges. There was relational challenges. There were not knowing in a way that was on the wrong side of, I don't know, that was ego fueled and pride fueled and was about doing what I wanted and standing in the kind of Beyonce independent woman. And then you're like, oh, I'm lonely over here. (laughs) I don't really know what I'm doing. So yeah, I could relate in that sense. And then Abdul's story, he is the CEO of a Adesso Men here brand in Calgary with two other partners and he was part of this too, wanting used to have more of an entrepreneurial mindset. So we decided to change the way it was being visualized. We asked Calgary Foundation if they would support it. We didn't have charity status, but they said if we could partner with a charity, then we could. So I phoned a friend who's the executive director at Trellis, which is the largest not-for-profit in Calgary. They manage tens of millions of dollars coming from the government and other funding sources to serve youth. And there's no better way than to be in a group that's already doing it, that has data, that knows what's going on. Like we can say we know what they want, but you got to get in there and ask the people who are actually working in it, what are you seeing now? Because you always have to do that. And so we found a few things that we needed to pivot. And Trellis and Calgary Foundation agreed to partner. And the first one was 18 months. And then we received another grant as well for operational grant. And that set forth the first year. So Moose left his job doing IT consulting and went to work with Trellis and is developing the program there, has program managers there, uh, helping and supporting this, building out a real program that we're going to roll out in October. And just continue serving with a curriculum that is really built from the ground up that we go in and we're going to teach and we're going to get back in there and have the youth see people like them who they didn't know are like them uh, and be able to connect relationally again. So what will that program sort of look like? What are some of the maybe key stepping stones or what will that experience be like for the youth who take part? Our hope is that it gets them to be able to really feel the possibility that they can do something with where they're at, with how they think, with where they want to go. And it might not just be down that linear path of what's prescribed, because not everybody's going to fit into that linear path, those boxes, that education system, that way. And so this gives an opportunity to explore another way of thinking and then get to the other amazing organizations in this city that are doing incredible work that have different kinds of programming. So again, it's like what I did with Women in Work Boots, where it was exposing to careers you don't know exist. It's like for the youth being able to get exposure to stories of people who struggled to and unearthed their light or their diamond and hear from us that today there were still struggles in our life. Like we're not giving you a certificate of completion and 
struggles are over, we're saying, hey, I'm sitting here today and I've had a tough day too. We can connect on that front. And I was where you're at struggling with these things, be it homelessness, be it poverty, be it immigration, migration, identity, belonging, gender, addictions, mental health, lots of stuff, lots of stuff. And that's the community we're bringing together of the people who want to share in storytelling with the youth and walk with them and inspire them through story of another way. And story is such a powerful way to teach, to learn, and to connect. I just love how stories do that. Me too. And that is what Owl Seek will be about, is stories of other ways to think about growth, other ways to connect to nature. That is what Struggle is Your Success is about, is stories of the human journey and how people got through. And it's incredible to be doing both at the same time while hard and unexpected. It's incredible. It does sound incredible, but yes, a lot, (laughs) juggling a lot of things, a lot of exciting, (laughs) wonderful things for sure. Now, we sort of touched on this, but there's, of course, that well-known quote that the only constant in life is change. And change can be tough and exciting and lots of learning and growth obviously happens with change and it's inevitable. And as we sort of mentioned, we often can resist it. So how do you give yourself permission to change? I think this was learned because resist, resist, don't accept. All of those things were certainly part of my walk. And there's the little voice that comes up first most often too, like, nope don't want to do it. Nope, not doing it. So I heard in recovery circles one time, so there's some 12 step recovery communities in Calgary that I've been a part of for years. And I've heard some things through there that are really life changing. And one was the only thing that needs to change is everything. And I remember hearing that and being like, yeah, but everything. (laughs) And then you answer your own question and you're like everything. And so what that brings to my attention is it's never just one thing that needs to change. And it's probably not about the issue at hand that you need to change. It's a few layers deeper, or it's something else you haven't unearthed in your own life yet or journey. And that might take support and resources and community to get through. That might take a different kind of talk therapy, or coach or way to set goals and look at your life and think about what's next, especially when it comes to identity, that place of coming out of doing, being a doer to being, just accepting where you're at. And when you're in that place of doing, which I think is low vibration and is at like the bottom of the scale versus surrendering and turning it over and um, having the courage to have hope that something else could be out there. I think that we have a lot of people talking about this in this is all the work of Brene Brown. This is the scale of consciousness with Dr. David Hawkins. This is a lot of the metaphysical stuff I land on. You could go to any of your organized religions and find pathways through this that all tell the same thing. It's going to be hard. You're not going to want to do it. You're going to have to depend on a belief in something that it's possible. And then do the work. Like the hard work comes next. Like you can want it all you want, but you until you do the hard work but it's like if we're coming out of doing and going to being and then going back to doing the work we can't stay in that cycle that we know of doing it's it's going to be different so it's embracing the i don't know (laughs) how's it gonna be i don't know what's gonna change i don't know (laughs) and just going with it 
Yeah. And that could be tricky and challenging. And it, you know, as you said, you know, kind of leaning on others, like maybe there's that coach or that person or mm-hmm. that community that you can kind of talk things through with or get that support from that, that can really make a big difference. Well, alignment, yeah. right? We have to talk about alignment because especially in the world of coaching, if you're in the doing phase of your life versus the being, then you're going to go after what you're hungry for, which might be misaligned from what you need. So you might be going after the one who says they can get you six figures. You might be going after the one that says that they can get you to this level or this many signups or whatever is being sold and it's selling, right? Is that aligned with you? Is that person aligned with you? Is that truly a connection that's going to help you grow in more ways than just what you're taking this for? So that's a big piece too, because the fix it, band-aid, easy button mentality is ripe in the world of change. They're ready to get you (laughs) in between that phase of figuring out like, you're going to break through and uh, get to the hard side of the other work. Yeah, that alignment piece is key. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. key. Now, you had shared with me in some of the information that you're sharing, kind of letting me know what's going on in your world and what you're up to, that the idea that you believe that we all need to recover from something in the interest of growth, stronger connections, and positive mental health. So I was curious what does recovery mean to you? Yeah, I think that phrase, we all reco- need to recover from something. I first heard through the network of She Recovers, which is a movement, a mother-daughter started it, Don Nichols and Taryn Strong off Vancouver Island, I think. And yeah, they built an incredible community of women in recovery. So what this meant to me at the time was abstaining from drugs and alcohol and trying to live a life on the other side of that. There are many pathways in recovery to whatever you're recovering from. And I found when I started the retreats and I posted them that they were going to be for people in recovery, I had a prejudice. I was just thinking that people would associate that with what we're going through together, this sober journey. And then people who were coming through cancer journeys were messaging me and saying, is this for me? And I thought, well, like, no, but yes, but but no, but yes. And it was this real inner journey of, well, what's recovery anyway? Well, we are just all recovering from something. So to me, the pin of focus for what we need to focus on at the time, I know I need to abstain from alcohol for the rest of my life. I don't like the way I behave. I don't like the way I speak. I don't like the secret double life I lived. And I don't want to test whether that's for me again. On my own journey, I invited cannabis back in and that was fine for me. It didn't have any of the things that were in that same pathway of how I behaved, how I spoke, how I conducted myself and the life I lived. And in the 12 step world, that might be criticized. For me, it was a harm reduction model. It was a journey of just doing what works for me. And that piece I really had to come to being okay with because I found two schools of thought on this, like people who are like, it's fine. And then just don't talk about it. Keep it a secret. Okay. That's good. And then the other ones who are like, nope, unacceptable. Okay. And then communities outside of there that were like, oh, you're fine. You're doing great. Like talk about other stuff. And 
So what is it to me? I'm not sure, but it's something in all of us that has a pain point, maybe associated to a past trauma that we may or may not have gotten over yet. And the people closest to us, our partners, our children, our parents are probably not the ones to walk with us through it. So having some outside (laughs) connections and community are critical if you can find those in a peer support way or ask your medical team if there's peer support available, like that is paid for by a primary care network or supported by your doctor that will give you a certain number of sessions to find out what that journey is for you, dive into that. And it's going to be different for everyone, but be on the path of what do I know I'm struggling with and need to get through today? And what do I know I need help with? I think would be those questions around what recovery is. And I think sometimes when we're in, you were talking about like that sort of doing phase, we're not taking Mm -hmm. the time to really think about the fact that we might be struggling with something because we're just so busy doing and not feeling or thinking. I find when I sort of give myself permission, I guess, to sort of take that pause, it's so good. It, It If something just isn't happening or I'm struggling to work through something, I can better understand why that is and what I need and what's going to help me and and what are those things that I need to do. So yes, I think it's it's important to to let ourselves kind of reflect on those things that might be challenging for us. It's important or we will bottle them up and they will pop at some point. And they pop in the form of an emotional outrage or a tantrum or disease. And disease going back to it meaning off balance. And if something in the body is off balance, it can manifest as a mass of something. So yeah, it's important to read. It's important to listen um, to multiple people talking about whatever you're diving into because there's a danger in an obsessive mindset that comes with overdoing that comes with busyness that comes with becoming codependent on work or money that comes with workaholism yeah that's a mask it's one of those things and what's really behind it what's this about what's this for and that goes back to like the work with Seek is connecting people back to their values and starting from that place of a value-centric place of what's this for you now because I think we forget that we change And I think we forget that we have permission ourselves to be like, I don't know. I don't know what's next. I don't know. I don't know what my goals are right now. I don't know what my values are right now. I don't know if those align with my career right now. I don't know if those align with communication with my partner right now. And that might be diving into all of that one at a time. (laughs) Go gentle on yourself. but And seeing what's changed and giving yourself permission to go, huh, turns out I want to focus more on this than this. And usually that easy, but it takes help to get there. Yeah, it does. It does. And it's in a small way, even doing something like I find, you know, our schedule can get crazy or busy, but just sitting down and having a coffee with a friend or going for a walk with a friend and just talking about things. I always come back feeling so much better and feeling like I have so much more clarity. Just even something small like that makes such a big difference for me. Yeah, it's so true. And on the flip side of it, giving yourself permission when you know you're spent to say, I need to cancel that. Yes. And I need to turn that 
thing that I was going to do into something I'm going to do for me. And like, if it's lay on your bed and fill over your face for that hour, it might be that. That's okay. We we know the stories of going in your car. Like at the beginning of COVID, my marriage ended and there was a whole bunch of different new things and new feelings and new periods of loneliness. And my Yukon became like my container of safety to just drive around and have that space. So, and then you read memes and stuff of like sitting in the car outside your house is self-care. <laughs> it's, like, it's true. Like find your container, whatever you need to have as that space for you to do you. I really like that. And I like that that was that space for you. But yeah, it's just finding that whatever that space may, may be for you, if it's, you know, getting outside for a walk or laying on your bed or going yeah. for a drive, yeah. whatever it is you need to do. So yeah. important. <laughs> now you chatted a little bit about building connections and seeking out those people. But just in general, why are those connections so important in recovery and just in general? I think the first thing that comes to mind is like accountability <laughs> and having people care about you and you care about other people. In recovery, it's a fascinating study by Dr. David Hawkins, who did his 50-year research through his PhD on studying consciousness. And he created a scale of consciousness that you can measure when you enter into a space. And I find it fascinating that it aligns with a lot of the work of Brene Brown. So at the point that you change to being in a higher state or a more positive state is at the point you have the courage to accept that you need to change. And I thought, huh, I've heard that before. And then the lower states or the lower vibration states are those of like shame, guilt, hate, blame, states of victimhood. It's everything else. It couldn't possibly be me. It couldn't possibly be me that needs to change everything. It's the fault of the system. And the journey through recovery, through various pathways, is to take personal responsibility and do what you need to do to live a different life in every aspect and change and work with others to do that then thereafter. There's this whole notion of wanting what they have, which is being attracted to people who have years of recovery and sobriety. And that became a guiding light for me. Like I was raised in AA. How I learned to be a young woman, I came in when I was 24 and then was moving into a more professional life. And I learned how to speak and get through conflict and problem solve and forgive myself, forgive other people, accept all this change and journey and hear stories daily of people who were also struggling. And then when that foundation was built for myself, I transitioned to do that in other communities where I learned of people's journeys through things that were closer aligned to what I was going through then, which then became things like getting through PTSD and getting through trauma triggers and getting through codependent behavior pieces that come up after. Having those those connections can just make such a difference, as you said, like to be that model, that accountability. It all just helps to have kind of that circle, that community around you as you're making what could be at times some really difficult changes. Yeah, the Dr. David Hawkins study then goes in to say that his scale goes from a thousand to zero, thousand being high vibe, zero being low. Uh, paraphrasing, obviously. But he states that energy in an AA room vibrates at about a 400. So somebody could come in like a 20, 40, 60 in this really low state 
And just with the hope in that room of people who hope that they want what they have, it can move in that person. So when you enter into an environment that's a higher vibration environment and there's hope for you and acceptance, that's life-changing. And so for anyone's walk-in recovery, this is why groups exist for people who are widowed. That walk is hard thereafter. Why groups exist for grief or loss of pregnancies or children or pets. People have the same kinds of grief and loss pieces with things if they don't have family. So yeah, we need other people. Yeah, we absolutely do. And I think in that period of time when it was a little more difficult to connect with other humans, I especially realized how much I missed people <laughs> and needed mm-hmm. people. And when you when you aren't able to connect with people in the ways that you did before, I sure appreciated it more than ever when we were able to again. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> now, we can't pour from an empty cup and you give so much of yourself in so many ways yeah. as a mom <laughs> to two boys, a business owner, the co-founder and chief strategist of the non-for-profit organization. And you really always operate from a heart of service. So what kinds of things help you to support your own mental health? So what helps me support my own mental health and fill up my cup is nature, first and foremost. I have found over the last probably 15 years, a deeper connection to nature every day, every year, and observing those patterns in nature of things, natural disasters or life and death cycles helped me grow. It's also about putting in place the team of doctors, psychologists, and professionals that I need and working together with them. Taking You have to advocate for your own health and you have to really build a guide of your continuum of care for your own health because unless something's really wrong, nobody's going to do it for you. And we have to think in that way of like, I was the doctor writing myself the prescription on the clipboard for what to do for the next few weeks. What would I tell myself to do? Because we probably have the answer and we're probably shutting it down. So getting real about what needs to be done, taking action and being in small communities that are in alignment with the direction I want to go and grow. Those all sound like great things that you're doing (laughs) and nature getting that support and and really building those connections now i always love to hear from people what is maybe their favorite teacher or learning experience Mm. that they've had so i don't know if you can think back to a person or a time that really stands (laughs) out for you and i'd love for you to share who or what that might be This one's undeniable for me. Her name was Carolyn Baxter, and she was my high school psychology teacher at Henry Wisewood High School. And she was also a psychic medium teacher of the metaphysics. And she had a connection to me at 14, 15, 16, and helped me enter into the world of things that really served as part of my healing down the road. Um, She passed away in 2002. I remember sitting in a cafe and reading the Calgary Sun and flipping to her obituary and being like, and then going to her funeral and with two other former students who we've lost connection with, but she really told us we'd be on each other's path. And it was 
fascinating. Um, one of them's gone down a very, very, very dark path. And she gave some forewarnings about how to deal with that in a very complicated way for a young mind to understand. And I wrote a lot about what she taught me. And I'm in a place right now transcribing 65 of my journals that I've written since I was eight years old. And I'm going to be writing a book. And I think about her every day as I write because she was such an important teacher to me. And as I'm reading my journals, I'm reading pages of affirmations I wrote at 15, 16 years old that were from her. She planted these seeds in me as things that become part of my teaching in my life. And even physically where I live right now, I live in the same townhouse complex where she used to live. And it was so, I would call divinely orchestrated. This is part of my other side of the world that's not as scientific as yours. But I asked for a sign if from her, kind of praying to her, and if this was a good move to move into this townhouse because I felt her presence. And it was the middle of February, I was going to go for a walk in Fish Creek. And I said, something blue, like just something blue appears. I'll take it as a sign that it's a positive movement forward. And two blue jays landed on a fence and looked at me like at the same time, like we good? <laughs> You're kidding me. But that is so the world she taught me. Like she taught me, she had cats, you know, and she was very connected to the cats. And then I'd go read about like, I was in Egypt and I was going through the museum and seeing all the mummified cats and there was actually this deep spiritual connection to people with cats and so just all those things to go deeper into just the historical research and discovery and finding stuff out her spirit has never left me and it was that powerful sounds like she had an incredible impact <laughs> on you and i don't yeah. know if you can share when your book might be coming out do you have a plan in mind? Do you have a title in mind? I have the title that that's sacred still and keeping that quiet. It will be out at the beginning of 2023. We're working really hard right now to finish it up and put a platform together that comes with it because it is about creating that community and that place of connection through OwlSeek that is everything that I'm doing. And it brings together those resources that people can download, follow me on Instagram and start hearing more of my own little stories that we're going to be putting out from the journal, get the quotes and affirmations and how to do that and build that really important container. It's kind of like spiritual toolbox. And it's especially important for those who are like, I don't know, I don't do spiritual or I'm religious, I don't do spiritual or spiritual is not religious. Like, like we just need to come to all together on those conversations <laughs> and, and dive a little deeper into what that is that is within us to unearth to help us grow. So stay tuned. And I look forward to having a look at that when it comes out. I'm excited for you. Now, Thank you. you have had so many accomplishments over the years and done so many interesting and exciting things. So when you look back at your journey so far, what is something that you are most proud of? The men I'm raising my sons to be. That makes me sad. I think I'm in a deep place of discovery right now of what kind of generational masculine stories have been told and that aren't true or aren't going to work anymore. And this is not extreme and this is not drastic. These are tiny little things like it's okay to feel. It's okay to cry. Do you want to talk about how you're feeling? Some of those were shut down things in stories of my past of 
of learned behaviors of how families operated. And with all the love and acceptance and grace for them, everybody was just doing the best they could at the time. I really believe that. So I'm most proud of the men and the world they're going to come into with everything I've had to go through. And also of the awards, because I didn't graduate high school and I didn't graduate university for the congregation in the way that was traditional. I did mail in courses from Costa Rica after I thought I graduated and wanted to go surfing instead. And so I got the degree or yeah, the high school diploma, but not in the traditional way. And then when I got the degree, I was actually in treatment and I didn't go to the last couple of weeks or the convocation because I wasn't well. That was the end of my addiction and I wasn't well. And then I ended up winning distinguished alumni for University of Calgary. So those full circle moments are some of the most important things for me that is the whole reason struggle is your success exists because I didn't graduate high school either. I was using drugs instead of going to school. I decided to bartend and thought that was an amazing career path for the two gap years between because I could make so much money. I ended up teaching English in South Korea with a whole bunch of other arts grads <laughs> because that's kind of the landing place for those and discovering like, huh, did I really align my being self with that degree? No? Okay. <laughs> Who was I doing that for? What story was I doing that for? And so those deep dives are hard, but important. They are. They are. And I love both things that you shared, the full circle moment and all the incredible things that you're doing for your boys. Thank you. Now, I have some rapid fire questions for you. Um, okay. <laughs> so just share what comes to the top of your mind. What is something that you would love to learn about or something that you would love to learn to do? I have a fascination with learning about the mechanics of the car. And maybe that we're moving to electric vehicles, this is going to be outdated, but I don't think so. I've always wanted to fix up like an old red Ford Mustang convertible like my grandfather did and drive it around. So restore a car. I bet you're going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Now I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what is a place that is at the top of your travel bucket list? I have two bucket lists for travel. Like one is this romanticized idea of places I would go with somebody in my life. And I've been single for the last couple of years. So I stay on the path of like that bucket list of things I want to do with somebody. So that one would be, I never went to Thailand. I traveled a lot, but never went to Thailand. And I really want to do Thailand and Indonesia with somebody. I really want to go see Machu Picchu in Peru. And I'd be okay going by myself with that one. <laughs> Those both Sound amazing. I've been to Machu Picchu, but not okay. Thailand is on my, yeah, Thailand is on my list. And I went to Jakarta, Indonesia, but I feel like that didn't really count because it's a big city. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know my list is so long, so long. I know. And then what is a book, podcast or TV show that you've enjoyed recently? I just read this book that's an older book and it's called All About Love by Bell Hooks. My friend Sadia mailed it to me from Toronto and with this beautiful little love note and said, I think you'd love reading this. And it was one of those life changing books I've recently read. Have not heard of that one. So I'll be adding that to my <laughs> list. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and if you could sit down and have a conversation with someone that you would love to learn from, who would it be and why? 
Okay, this one's really pulling because he passed away, but this would be Dr. Wayne Dyer. He is a spiritual teacher, metaphysical teacher that I just adore his work. My goal was to see him live before he passed, and I was able to do that. I went with my friend Iman to his talk in Edmonton, and I would, he's a wisdom keeper. Like his books and his audios and everything are just so profound. And that is the one person in the world I'd want to talk to. Now, the last thing I wanted to ask you is just to see if you had any final thoughts or words of wisdom to empower or support people in their own teaching and learning journeys. And I ask this question because we're not necessarily all teachers per se, or maybe we don't see ourselves as teachers, but education just plays such an important role in all the things that we do. So beyond Mm. the four walls of the classroom. So any final thoughts that you would want to share? Spend time alone and be okay in that place alone, writing to yourself, asking your question, asking yourself questions, writing the answers out, like journaling or in a notebook. I think it's important to go within without any of the noise of the world around and find a way to listen to yourself. One of my favorite authors, Florence Scovel Chin, used to say, like praying is telephoning to God and meditating is listening. And I think in that infinity loop, like it's really important to do the listening part. (laughs) We ask for things all the time. (laughs) We ask to receive things. We do it in the way of law of attraction. We do it in the way of manifesting or co-creating. We do it pleading, but we don't carve out the time to listen. And so in that alone time, turn off the noise, like actually the music, the audio and listen. That is great advice. Fantastic words of wisdom. Cause I think it's so true. I find that that can be a really hard thing to do. So it's a great reminder. So Jill, I wanted to thank you so much for sharing your time and your story and all your words of wisdom with us today. If people would like to learn more about you and what you're up to and your upcoming book, where are the best places to find you? Owlseek is at owlseek.ca and jilldrader.com is my own work. And on Instagram is the informal place I spend time if you want to just chat. (laughs) Instagram handles at jilldrader. Sounds good. Thank you so much for joining me, Jill. It was great to Aww, connect thank with you. Thank you, too. <laughs> Likewise. Thank you. It's been incredible to see you grow and what you've built this into because I was at the table when this was an idea. And that's one of the most incredible things for me to watch is you build this, you pivot this, you change this, and you move it in the direction it's going now. So I just want to say that, too, because I remember that. <laughs> Oh, thank you. I remember sharing it with you. So I really appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Jill. Thank you for listening to the People Teaching People podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Tiana Fesh and on my website, tianafesh.com. I would love it if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time where we will continue to explore all things teaching and learning together.